Generations seem to be a big deal. Not sure you want to be defined by the year of your birth? Aren't we all unique? Then how do we explain Tinder and self-branding to a boomer? And how do you explain the importance of keeping a home and budgeting to a millennial? I'm Katie McEwen, a baby boomer and the author of Oldie's Guide to the Millennial World. My friend Anna Blackie is a millennial and the author of How to Adult. And in this podcast, we talk about the things that make our generations different and what we can learn from each other to make living in this crazy world a little bit easier. I'd just like to introduce this section by reading a quote that I think is quite relevant to this. Um, and it's a quote from a millennial, which so actually Anna should probably be reading it. But actually what it says is, remember when we cried as kids and our parents said, I'll give you something to cry about. We thought they were going to hit us, but instead they destroyed the housing market, quadrupled college tuition and melted the ice caps. And that's a bit of a (laughs) sad state of affairs with uh, what the old people have done to the world. It's too real. And let's talk about the housing market with that introduction, Anna. Housing market is scary. (laughs) Yes. And of course, it's um, almost unaffordable for people of your generation. Yes. (laughs) Thanks, Katie. Living in your house, eating your own avocado toast, and then um, in a poor rental share house, living with like a hundred other people until I die. Ah, but you do have a swimming pool. That's true. Yeah. Only now, though. Did live in a mold-infested house for like three years, so (laughs) we're only moving upwards from there. Um, Yeah. So I guess housing is something that has probably been like one of the biggest changes between millennials and baby boomers. I think. Yes. I don't know, like one of the things that I've always measured as like a metric for success is like whether or not you own a house. And now that that doesn't really, it's just not a realistic life goal. It like completely changes the way that you see your success, I guess, or at least it does for me, I think probably for a lot of millennials as well. Yes, I mean, the affordability of any housing has declined hugely over the last few years and um, there's a lot more pressure on that housing market and um, people in low income brackets are finding it almost impossible I think to get onto that market um, prices have risen above inflation and wage growth has been minimal so those two things together make for a sad state of affairs yes it's something that I just try not to think about very much and then sometimes I'm like oh that's a nice house and then I'm like oh I'll never own one of those it's <laughs> very upsetting yeah and I suppose also you have higher debt because of the student loans and things and um, there's an increased need for tertiary qualifications because of the job market so all those things added up together make it um, um, much more difficult but also a lot of young people having to move to cities for jobs um, where the housing markets are a lot of pressure on housing markets and so yeah it becomes much more difficult yeah and I guess like where we live in Sydney for our international listeners um, we have a really high price of living Mm. like Sydney is just a really expensive city to live in I think most Australian cities are probably quite expensive to live in and that's, I mean, it's a wonderful city to live in. There's so much to do and lots of opportunities. But then you're kind of choosing between, like, living a nice, fun life or having to save for a house that you're then going to have to buy out and whoop whoop that you're never going to be able to really enjoy the place that you're living in anyway. So it's mm. kind of like a yeah, double-edged sword. So I suppose, you know, share houses have been a thing for for forever. I mean, I lived in share houses in London um, when I left uni and was the first working. Um, but it was fairly easy to get a mortgage on a small flat or whatever which I did with a just with a girlfriend from uni um so at least you then were had a foot in the housing market whereas I feel now that that price of a deposit is just seems almost out of reach to get anything even a even a two-bedroom flat in Sydney is a million dollars yeah definitely in Sydney it seems ridiculous I mean 
of all the people I know, I only have two friends that have bought property and they had to buy a house together and they both make a very decent amount of money, but they also had to buy it in Brisbane in an area that while it will be a good area at some point, like right now it's just a developing area Yes. and they had to do all these things to make sure they got the first homeowner's grant and all the kind of like make sure they had no stamp duty and everything like that. And all of those things were ridiculously difficult for them. And I think it's still a process that's ongoing and they've been doing it for like two years. Right. And that was just to make the process of buying a house affordable for them. And so yes. I think... Yeah. And I guess the other thing is the bank of mum and dad, which is going to become more of an issue. Although... Um, People of our generation, of course, are living longer and um, staying in the house, houses longer, um, so that's yeah. less likely to free up free up that money to yeah. be able to pass on to their children. Well, I mean, and there's a lot of millennials that kind of say, like, it's really hard for me to buy one house when all the boomers above me have, like, eight. So it's, you know, <laughs> and, it's, yeah, kind of that hold on the property market that I think a lot of people are very resentful yes. about. Yes, yeah. And it's a shame because, because with interest rates so low, of course, the consequence of that is that mortgage rates are incredibly low. Yeah. So if you could get a mortgage, it would be fabulous because you're yeah. paying so much money back. I mean, at some points in our lives, we were paying mortgage rates of up to 17%. Yeah. And now it's, it's insane. You know, very low single figures to get a mortgage. This topic's making me sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess in your book, you talk about housing and how it's changed in like a cultural sense. Um, and I kind of focus more on the small bits of, like, actually having a house, which is kind of weird, like the things you have to do to look after your household once you have one to look after. Yes. Like, yes. yes. Yeah. There was lots of things in your book which I found really interesting about cleaning <laughs> and <laughs> um, how often you should be, you know, in a, in a general sense of keeping your house and belongings clean, how often you should be washing your sheets and washing your towels yeah. and you meant to really wash your sheets every week like I still can't get my mind around that and I don't do it even though I've written a book that oh, says that that's I don't know like, anybody who does that it's so. just ridiculous also we're in a drought like come on let's <laughs> save the environment <laughs> poor excuse <laughs> it was funny though because today I actually got a message from one of my friends who'd read this article about how you're meant to wash your washing machine I was like have you not read my book because like it's one of the biggest things in there washing machine and dishwasher you're meant to be washing them like I think it's like once every three months and you just have to put them through like a cycle to get rid of all the lime scale and the bad smells and everything. Yeah. Also, don't do that in my house. I live in a share house, so I think that it is a shared responsibility for us all to not wash the washing machine. <laughs> and the washing machine, well, I don't know, maybe modern. I mean, this is part of the whole internet of things and smart appliances, but my washing machine tells me when I should be doing that. Every hundred washes or something, it beeps. Like, you should be running a clean the washing machine so cycle. So you own a house and you have a magic dishwasher. <laughs> washing machine. But every time that happens, I struggle to find the right cycle in order to do it. And I go through everything. Where is that cycle this to clean my own washing This is the biggest first world problem I've ever had. Okay, boomer. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, like, definitely how often you're meant to wash things is, like, a really big thing. And how often you're meant to throw away things is also something that really got me. Um, I think, because, like, Tupperware and chopping boards and mattresses and all of that kind of stuff, like, you're meant to be getting rid of them. I think mattresses every eight years, Tupperware is every three months, and chopping boards every year. And, like, <gasps> bad. Like, if you're throwing oh, away gosh. your plastic Tupperware every three months, it's just not good. And, yes. I mean, the reasoning behind that kind of stuff is, like, if you're heating up food in plastic tupperware or if you're using food that's like particularly oily you're actually like breaking down the particles of the plastic and so you're ending up with tiny little plastic bits in your 
food, which is mm. disgusting. But they said something really recently about how every person is eating like a plastic, like a credit card worth of plastic a month, I think it was. Oh. And so it's like, even if you're using plastic Tupperware that's falling apart, like you're still eating heaps of plastic anyway, so like might as well just... But are you not using wax wraps? I mean, I do use bees wax wraps. <laughs> Katie, I don't know if you've heard, but my dad has bees. <laughs> We've got a lot of beeswax. <laughs> just Good. using it for everything. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, the next thing is all that environmentally friendly packaging yeah um, i think it, we're a long way off that at least we've got rid of the plastic bags but you know. yeah i mean it's ridiculous once you start phasing out the plastic bags and then you realize how much everything else uses plastic yes. and stuff like i just want to buy spinach that doesn't have a plastic bag around it but it's just mm. impossible i mean i guess those red cycle things and everything at coles are good like a good first start but it's, it's recycling sink um Oh, yeah, lightweight so, plastics. Yeah, yeah. I think it's anything that you can like scrunch in your hands, so like Glad wrap or plastic bags and yes. any like chip packets and that kind of stuff. Chip packets? Yeah, chip packets are plastic, aren't they? I don't know. Yes. They're foil. <laughs> They're plastic foil. <laughs> I'm sure they are. I'm sure yeah. you can recycle them. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's kind of the thing about like having a house as well. Like you don't realise all of the things that come with that as well like the costs the, yeah yes. the costs associated with it mm-hmm. and I think like even from a rental perspective now that I live at a fancy house with a pool like pool maintenance is something that you don't really think about before you move in and like having big trees that sit over your pool and drop leaves in there it's like mm-hmm. I love nature but can you not ruin my delightful fresh <laughs> pool <laughs> and it's like garden maintenance and then you've got like I the idea that my landlord has to pay for like the plumbing and you know mm-hmm. all of those things that go wrong it just seems like houses are really quite a negative investment in a lot of ways. Like you yeah. must have a lot of big costs associated with it. Yes, I suppose, and that and it also pre- prevents you from then having money to do lots of other things like travel and yeah. Um, things. Were there uh, any? Are, are people dealing? Um, you know, share housing is obviously still a thing for your generation, but I read that there's um, more cohabiting spaces in housing that are becoming uh, much bigger, so that. People tend to be living in single rooms, but with communal spaces. Have you come across yeah, any of so that? Yeah, so kind of like the house is like broken down and everyone's kind of got their own Yes, space, so you've yeah. got your own bedroom, but you're sharing communal areas and then it becomes more of a community-based housing yeah. scheme. I definitely think, uh, I mean, the way that I've always done share housing is to live with people that I know and like. And so in that sense, it does become almost like a family type situation. Yes. Especially because we're all living out in the suburbs and getting houses where like family homes and then having very communal spaces that we share together and like doing nice communal activities in those areas. Um, I do know people that kind of like go out to the city sort of areas and they end up like renting like like you are just renting your room and then there are the communal spaces that almost become like hostel-like, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Um, and definitely that still seems like it's a thing, but not so much with the people that I know and whether that's because we all kind of wanted to move out at the same time or because people are choosing to live with their parents longer and don't really want to live in that kind of share house situation mm. unless they have to. Um, mm. Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell what the reason is, but definitely like a lot of people I know have just opted to live with their parents for as long as they can and yes. unless they're like really forced to move out they won't mm. um I definitely didn't want to do that when I was younger and I was like get me out of there as soon as I can and now I have been renting since I was 19 and realized that maybe that was financially not the best decision <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yeah I think 
between like share housing and people that live with their parents that like divide divide of responsibility is really interesting um because i think like a lot of people that i know that do live with their parents pay a little bit of board or they'll like contribute groceries and stuff Mm -hmm. and i think you see there's a very definite split between the people that kind of live with their parents and are not freeloading and they actually like do a couple of things to their parents here and there or help to maintain the house and you know share chores cook for their mum and dad every now and then or there are people that are just completely living off their parents and like don't like they have their room and that's their area and then they're there like to sleep and then that's basically it and then they just kind of like go to work hang with friends come home and leave again and that's kind of those are the people that kind of seem like they're probably only there to save money while they can and then they're going to get out of there whereas like the other approach is kind of more like still your home you're still living there and contributing I guess yeah I think it's quite hard as a parent in that situation because while you um well from my point of view the try and support the kid your kids while they're especially while they're still in full-time education so for ours we um we're happy for them to be at home until they finish their education but then you know I think it just depends on the attitude of the parents I mean we were very happy for our kids to move out at that point and (laughs) once they were working and earning then they should be um, managing their own finances and rent if they can't afford to buy a house they should be renting and that's fine but it forces you into being more conscious about your money saving um, and making your way in the world and that just kind of seems like the most reasonable approach from like a parental perspective as well it's oh like, i think we're just mean no i think it's good though because you're right it does it is like a massive like it's a life shot of what the real world is going to be like it teaches you how to save money it teaches you the value of money as well which i think before i had moved out i didn't really have a good comprehension of the value of money even though i've been working for a while like my parents still like if i'd asked them for money they would have helped me and yes. like it's you know it kind of gives you an incorrect expectation of what the world is going to be like. Um, especially Again, especially living in Sydney where rent is quite expensive. Um, and, yeah, I think it is really good for people to move out when they can and kind of figure out their way in the world. And if you're not studying, then it's, yeah, mm. there's not really a reason not to. Mm. Also, like, the independence, I think, definitely from my perspective as a child, I was like, I want my independence and freedom and now that I've moved out of home and can kind of see it from my parents' perspective as well, like, my parents want to go live their own life. Like, they shouldn't have yeah. to be looking after me. Like, I hope my brother is listening to this and he decides to move out. Because, like, <laughs> like it, it's nice for them to be able to, like, kind of start doing their own thing and not have kids hanging off them the whole time. But Yeah, oh, but I know lots of people who just love to have their kids at home and would be and think it's a complete waste of money for them to be paying rent and so they'd be, they're very happy for them to be at home and be saving mm because they think in the long term that they'll be able to afford to buy a house. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense as well. But it's like, I think it's the over... It's too much family. Let's just just all go do our thing and see our family where we want. And everyone, like, definitely, again, from a personal perspective, like, now that I've moved out of home, my brother and I are, like, great mates, like, couldn't stand each other when we lived together, but now we're really, like, nice friends, and it's much easier for my family and I to, like, all hang out and have a nice time, because then at the end it's like... We're done. We can go to our own homes and do our own thing now, and that's nice. Mm. I love you, Mum and Dad. <laughs> um, and I suppose the other thing that's really changed over time with housing um, is the proliferation of smart appliances. And, you know, again, we come back to this whole thing about the difference between our two worlds is the t- uh, technology, the internet and everything that's happened in front, and the fact that the washing machine will be able to tell you that it needs cleaning <laughs> or, or the fridge will, your house, <laughs> the fridge will say, well, eventually this will happen, of course, in all, yeah. all, all appliances that the fridge will 
say there's no milk, but not only will it say there's no milk, but it eventually will connect to Amazon and order it for you and it will turn yeah. up and be there. So that is that a very technology cool is idea. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean the home I I'm slightly terrified by the whole Alexa thing and all of the like home Google Home and all that kind of stuff. Mainly because I think it's listening to me, which I don't like. Yes. I wish it wasn't, but also yeah, it is a really cool idea that one day your house will just look after itself and that it does kind of take away yeah. the whole admin side of being a homeowner or even a renter. Like, yes. I mean, I saw this thing the other day that was like a pot plant holder. And it tells you like when your plant is sad and if it needs a little bit of water and if it needs a little bit more sun and it has this little face on the front that gets all like frowny when it's not having a good time. And oh. like, I'm a notorious plant killer. So I thought that that was a really, really great invention. It, did you know, I, I found out that um, by this year, so by the end of this year, I guess, there'll be 30 billion devices attached to the internet in people's homes. So they're adding every, I mean, of course, with the cheapness of computer technology and um, all those developments are becoming smaller and smaller and you can have a computer linked to anything pretty much in your home. That's terrifying. <laughs> um, so 100 new things a second are being connected to the internet. A second? A second. That's insane. <laughs> this is why I'm pretty sure there's going to be like an AI apocalypse. Like this is how we die. It's... Well, of course, like, they're just all connecting data on, collecting data on you all the time. Yeah, so and I mean, this is data. like what we spoke about with privacy the other day mm. as well because mm. while I'm not sheepish about what I express online... And I definitely have, like, probably a loose line for the things that I share. This kind of stuff, I'm like, no, nah, I don't want I don't want Alexa listening to me. I don't want my dishwasher to know, like, how dirty my plates are when it goes in there. Like, I don't want people knowing that information about me. It just seems too personal, almost. Uh, yeah. But you do want them to be able to target ads to you that that's true. offer things you want. Yeah. And which, which is how they use the information that they're collecting. Yes, that's true, I suppose. <laughs> definitely feel like ads are wasted if they're not actually something that you want them to be as well so yes yeah but I don't, I don't know like my housemate bought a toothbrush the other day that's like an electric toothbrush that tells you if you're like brushing too hard or how long how long you, you should, should be, be brushing for and like the shape of your teeth and like all this like it's crazy it's it's crazy and like those things are really cool but I think maybe one day I'm gonna be one of those old people that's like can't use their phone or doesn't understand how to turn the TV on because I just technology scares me and I just want it to stop. So I'm like, just are you not supposed to be saying that as a millennial? I know, I know. <laughs> I'm one of the weird millennials, but also like, I like Instagram and I have a really cool Bluetooth speaker that that is synced to my Spotify now and it just like just plays the playlist that I want without me having to tell it. So I guess that's pretty cool. I found when I was putting How to Adult together that there's kind of this like pleasure and art to like starting something from the beginning and then going all the way to the end and finishing it like learning how to make gravy from scratch is just it's a really cool skill to learn even if you still end up using something like Gravebox but to know like the process that goes into that and then actually being able to do it just at a whim mm -hmm. is just really nice like having that like I don't know satisfaction from knowing how something works is really lovely and stuff like knowing how to sew, sew on buttons this is something that when I was writing the book I was like I really need to know how to mend a seam and how to sew on buttons. And I kind of knew about buttons and I had like a general idea about seams, but that was actually one of the hardest things to write because it's difficult to yes. sew and it's difficult to explain how to sew. And then afterwards when I kind of like had figured it all out for Christmas, I asked my mum for a sewing kit and last week I sewed my first seam and it was so satisfying because <laughs> this dress that I fixed had had a hole in it for like a year yes. and a half and I'd just been wearing this stupid dress with a stupid hole and because normally I get my mum to fix it for me but I was like, no, 
I can do this. Like I know how to look after myself. And then I did it and now it's fixed. And it was just, it was just really nice. It felt really yeah. good. Cause otherwise yeah. you'd have to take it somewhere and, and pay someone to do and it. Pay yeah. And pay yeah, and go and collect it. And, you and usually you only figure those things out when you want to wear it that minute. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> much easier to fix. Yeah. But there is, I, I don't know. I feel but like those skills are not taught at school now. So no. there's no practical, well, I mean, we had dressmaking we... lessons at school and that was, and you know, I was at a fairly academic school, so it was quite interesting that we had a whole, whole yeah, year like where we did kind of. home, yes, so yeah. talking those basics. Well, I mean, we did have those kind of basic classes, like we did do like a sew tech class at my school, but we learned how to make like pillowcases with a sewing machine. Right. And it's like, that's not, I mean... Helpful. No, it's not really. Not everyone has a sewing machine. I also sewed something to my hand and then I wasn't allowed to go back. So, I mean, I think I might have missed some basics in that one. But we also did like a food tech class. Okay. <laughs> You've known me for long enough to know that this is how my life goes. It's filled with sadness oh, and dear. regrets. Yeah. Um, but we did have like a food tech class as well. And I actually really vividly remember my mum asking why they were teaching us how to make muffins, but they weren't teaching us how to make a roux. And like, we never made bechamel, we never made gravy, like we didn't, we never learned how to make pastry, but we learned how to make these like recipes. I remember once we made a fruit salad, it's like, I don't need a <laughs> fucking recipe to teach me how to make a fruit salad. Like it's, yeah. And then, cause I also did hospitality for my HSC and like you learn how to julienne things and like how to cook at the correct temperature and like all of these like really, I don't know, technical things about cooking mm -hmm. but we still never learnt those basic how to mm. do things in your home kind boil of boil an egg yeah boil an egg like and that's something that I learnt from googling it like I it's presume not... they think that if you're up to julienne and yeah that you know how to boil an egg boil an egg <laughs> yeah, you think so and it just I and I do remember my mum like really lamenting over that because like, I think both of my grandmas were really into cooking and like do beautiful roasts and all this and like they would have just been shocked to know that we weren't being taught how to do those things in school and it's mm. yeah I mean like, like that's kind of where the inspiration for a lot of the stuff in my book had come from that I felt like I really should have learnt it at school yes yeah that you're losing some of those skills that are actually quite useful to yeah have. the back to basic stuff mm. I mean you've been listening to me um talk for the last year about how I've started to learn how to knit and that <laughs> it's my yes, favorite thing and if I've we watched that as well you have yeah I knit on comfy time so <laughs> um but I mean, like, that's such a, like, when I started learning how to do that, it was just, again, like, something really, really nice about learning how to do a new skill that actually is productive and you're creating something that you can then look at and be like, I made that thing and now I'm using that But do you scarf. think you're pretty unusual in that? I don't think, I don't see a lot of millennials that I have come across learning to knit or to go yeah. back to those basic skills. I think more likely they are to be paying someone else to do stuff like sewing seams or yeah I mean definitely I, th I think that people pick the things that resonate with them the most like mm. for me I've always really been into cooking yes. the sewing thing is a new and surprising turn of events but I think that like like cooking living like last year I lived in a share house with a really good friend who absolutely hopeless at cooking um, she bought a cucumber instead of a zucchini and then was going to bake it. And I was like, don't do that. That's not, not right. But then, like, the longer that we'd lived together, and, like, because all the other people that were living in the house were all quite proficient in cooking, and she just kind of, over time, started to, like, really come into her own and, like, figure out how to make things that weren't just, like, from a packet. And I think she was definitely getting, like, a real sense of pride and pleasure from that. And it's that whole, like, being able to look after yourself 
thing. And like Where a, were her parents? Where yeah. did they not teach her this? <laughs> well, I mean, at 25, she'd been living with her mum her whole life, and I think that her mum, like we discussed in the last episode, had a bit of like a, um, I will do it much better than you, so you might as well just try kind of mentality. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, But it is that kind of like sometimes you're not given an opportunity to learn or you don't realise that you need to learn until yes. you've gotten to a certain point. Um, yeah. Mm. I mean, I definitely hope that there are people who are kind of figuring out the things that they value and then kind of, yeah, mm-hmm. figuring out how to do the th- those things themselves. But yeah. yeah. But I think there is still a switch between the time poor and um, money. Yeah. You know, that they can spend money on things that you that we that as a generation we wouldn't have spent money on but the millennials yeah. do tend to think well the avocado toast paying other people to do things for you it's much yeah. more of a sense of your generation than ours definitely and i mean you've got a lot of stuff like air tasker and uber eats yes. and all that kind of stuff yes that gig economy is such a big thing now yeah. yeah and it makes things very convenient and really easy and i definitely think that like there is a beauty in having access to those things and I think it's really great but like sometimes it is nice to slow down I guess so it's about what you value and also like as we've established like I am a little bit afraid of technology so I kind of like the idea that I to know how to do things myself gives me a sense of pride and purpose yes yeah and I mean also if there's like a massive apocalypse and I need to like fix my pants or something like <laughs> not gonna be able to air task it so <laughs> Oh, God. Katie's lamenting over the state of the world. If you're a boomer and you want to know more about the millennial world, you can find out everything you need to know in Katie's book, Oldie's Guide to the Millennial World. If you need some lessons on how not to be a trash human, as I once was, you can get wise and get it together by reading my book, How to Adult. I'm Anna Blackie, and thanks for listening.